Stand with me this morning in reverence to God for the reading of our text. Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into, their, into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which, is, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that, he have need, that we have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil there. Of. The title of my message this morning, Take No Thought. Remain standing and bow with me for a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, do everything that needs to be done in every area of our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray that all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Thank you and you may be seated. In light of everything that has happened in 2020 and all of the things that have come our way, I would ask this question. How many of you can honestly say that you did not worry at all in 2020? Everybody did. Everybody worries, young and old, rich and poor. It doesn't matter how educated or uneducated. Everybody worries. Now, I had to stop and ask myself, why did Jesus give the same command three times in one chapter. In verse 25, he said, take no thought. In verse 31, he said, take no thought. In verse 34, again, he said, take no thought. Now, let's define the word thought as used in the original uh, uh, translation in the New Testament. The word thought in the original uh, language in the New Testament, it has different shades of meaning. It could, be to be, it could mean to be perpetually uneasy about something, or to be anxious or burdened about something, to have apprehension about something, to worry about something. Did you know that worry, here, I had to stop and ask myself, why did Jesus give the same command three different times in one passage of Scripture? And then the thought occurred to me of when I was growing up as a little boy, my mom would tell me not to do something and I would do it anyway. And then sometimes she would tell me to, not to do the same thing and I would do it again. 
And many times my mom would have to give the same command three or more times before she would really get my attention. Of course, this is because children have a tendency to forget things so easily because their brain cells are not as developed as the brain cells of we as adults. As you know, we can store information indefinitely. Is that true? No. <laughs> the truth is, God knows the human heart quite well. He knows how our minds operate. And He knows that we all have a tendency to worry and to worry and to worry again again and again. And so he said, take no thought, take no thought, and take no thought. Don't worry, don't worry, and don't worry. Did you know that worry has become a part of our everyday life? All right, how many times did you worry in 2020? <laughs> how many times have you worried this first month in 2021? How many times have we worried this week? Did you know that worry has become a part of our everyday language? Our everyday vocabulary? How many times did you use the word worry in 2020? How many times did you use the word worry already this month? Or rather, how many times have you said, you know, I'm really concerned about something? But when you say you're concerned about something, really, you're just worried about it and you don't want to admit it. The truth is that God knows how we operate. Is that true? You know, I, I'm thankful that I've had the opportunity to travel to a lot of poverty-stricken nations. This church body, Sanctuary Family Worship Center, has helped us to conduct evangelistic crusades in places like India, Lagos, Nigeria. We've, uh, you've helped us uh, uh, conduct crusades and, uh, uh, and also uh, pastors' conferences with more than 10,000 people, Pastor, in Cameroon, Africa. This church body helped us go over there. In India, every time I go on, I've conducted a massive amount of crusades in India. Every time I go, without exception, somebody will come up to me and they'll say, somebody from India, and they'll say, you know, America is the wonderland of the world. But after going to India and coming home, I have a tendency to give America another name. America is not so much the wonderland of the world as it is the worry land of the world, because people here in America have a tendency to worry more than anybody else on the face of the earth, in spite of the fact that we have more material blessings here in America than we do anywhere else. Worry, watch this, worry has sold more Tylenol, Advil, ibuprofen, and tranquilizers, and a leave here in America than anywhere else in the world. In fact, worry has become so serious that many people can't sleep at night unless they take sleeping pills. In fact, worry has grown to such a serious extent, Pastor, that there are many people that can't even sleep in church anymore. <laughs> I don't see any of you sleeping. You probably can't sleep because you're worried about something in your mind. Did you know worry is the most democratic thing because everybody participates in it. But the subject matter of worry is different from place to place. People all over the world worry regardless of their racial or national origin. People in Ethiopia worry about a possible famine in the land. People, in, uh, uh, people over in India worry about unemployment. In China, people worry about overpopulation. 
in, in uh, uh, Israel, they worry about a possible attack from uh, Iran. Here in America, we worry about coronavirus, we worry about racial unrest, we worry about political unrest, but hear me. And, and also, you personally, many people, they worry about getting along with their husband or wife. Don't look to the left or to the right. But anyway, we worry about things like uh, our children not being saved. We worry about things like uh, 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 people belittling you or, or making fun of you or being critical of you. We worry about things like homework for young people. We worry about things, uh, 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 sickness in our body. But regardless of what the subject matter of your worry is, what Jesus Christ said 2,000 years ago was meant for you and me right here. Here's what he said. He said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And he said this three times in that passage of Scripture. He said, take no thought, take no thought, and take no thought. Don't worry, don't worry, and don't worry. Now, the first thing I want to point out to you about worry is, number one, worry is a sin. Romans 14, 23 says, whatsoever is not a faith is a sin. Worry is not a faith, right? Amen. Therefore, worry is a sin. Let me ask you this. When you worry, when you worry that your children or your grandchildren will be kidnapped from daycare or from school, does that come from faith? When you worry that God is never going to save your family, does that come from faith? When you worry that your, your uh, children are, are not going to get right with the Lord, does that come from faith? When you worry that God is not going to heal your body, does that come from faith? When you worry that you're going to get COVID-19, does that come from faith? Worry is not a faith. Therefore, worry is a sin. The second thing that I want to point out to you about worry is that not only is worry a sin, but secondly, worry is the wrong kind of imagination. Worry is the wrong kind of imagination. Now, what is an uh, uh, imagination? Imagination is what poets, novelists, dramatists, and playwriters have in common. You see, writers of fiction write about things that are probably never going to happen anyway. And they'll spend hours and days and weeks, months, writing about these things, and that's what you do when you worry. You worry about things that are probably never going to happen anyway. And we spend hours and days and weeks and months, even years, worrying about these things. You have a flu and you lie down and think about your own casket, your own funeral. We have a well-paying job right now and you worry about the day that you're going to get laid off or fired. Worry is an unnecessary load and it goes against the knowledge and the Word of God. I was on my way to a revival over in Beaumont, Texas. I was going to be preaching that service that night. I get halfway there, it's pouring down rain, and I have a flat tire. And I'll be honest with you, out of frustration, for a, 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 just a, a few seconds I began to worry. 
and I'm thinking, my goodness, I'm going to be late for the service, and, and that this is not going to be fair to the pastor of the church, and, and it's not going to be fair to that church body, and God wants to save souls in that service, and I've got to get there, and this is not going to, this is not going to help anything at all. And, and you think, well, what could you do other than worry? I don't have to give you the answer. Paul gives you the answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. Here's what he said. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into the obedience of Jesus Christ. There's two things that you have to do in that verse of Scripture. First of all, Cast down every imagination that comes against the knowledge of God. And secondly, bring every thought into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Cast down every imagination that comes against the knowledge of God. Bring every fictitious thought under subjection into the obedience of Jesus Christ. When you worry that God is never going to heal your marriage, does that come from the knowledge of God? When you worry that you're going to get coronavirus, does that come from the knowledge of God? When you worry that your body is never going to be uh, healed, does that come from the knowledge of God? When you worry that you're going to get coronavirus, does that come from the knowledge of God? Paul says, if it doesn't come from the knowledge of God, cast it down. You say, well, what is the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God is the Word of God. And you say, well, how do I bring my thoughts under subjection into the obedience of the Word of God? You need to get it in your spirit and get it in your heart. And whenever you're going through things in your life, you need to speak the Word of God on behalf of whatever area you're struggling with. When death comes, the knowledge of God says, I am the resurrection and the life. When sickness comes, the knowledge of God says, by his stripes we were healed. When a flood of trouble comes, the knowledge of God says, when you pass through the waters, they will, they will not overflow you. When fire comes, the knowledge of God says, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, neither shall the flames kindle upon you. When you're lonely and afraid, the knowledge of God says, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. When the devil is attacking your body, when the devil is giving you fear about COVID-19, the knowledge of God says that uh, there will be no evil come near you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling place. When the devil is attacking your children and they're not saved, the knowledge of God says, though their sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. When you feel you've been defeated, the knowledge of God says, God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. When the devil is attacking your finances, the knowledge of God says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And when the devil is attacking Sanctuary Family Worship Center, the knowledge of God says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's what the knowledge of God says. Hear me this morning. I believe that all is well with my soul in the knowledge of God. Now let's go back to that flat tire halfway between my house and Beaumont, Texas on my way to a revival service that I'm late for. Hear me tonight. Hear me this morning. My first reaction was out of frustration I began to worry. 
But the Holy Spirit grabbed hold of my heart, and Sister Evelyn, the Holy Spirit said, Tim, don't worry, begin to speak the Word of God. Don't worry, begin to worship and speak the Word. So here it is, I'm telling you, it was a horrible storm, pouring down rain. I get out of my car, lifting my hands toward heaven, going to the back of my car to get my spare out. People driving by looking at me like I was out of my mind. I'm worshiping God and speaking the Word of God. I opened up the back of my vehicle. I had to take everything out of the back of it to get to the spare tire. You know how that goes. And then once I got it changed and I'm worshiping God and speaking the Word, the whole time I'm doing it, I didn't feel like doing that. But I did it because God told me to do it. And I got the, uh, uh, the flat tire back in the vehicle, put everything back in my vehicle. By the time I finished, after all of the water that the passerbys had, had splattered on me, I looked like I'd been baptized in, in, in pavement uh, 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 water. I mean, I was soaking wet from head to toe. There wasn't any part of my body that wasn't wet. I get to the uh, church because I didn't have time to go change clothes. Uh, they was halfway through the praise and worship. The pastor sitting on the platform looked back there, and I could tell he looked like he'd been chewing his fingernails. He looked like he had been worrying. <laughs> and so he runs to the back of the church where I'm standing, uh, where I walk in, and he said, are you okay? And, and so uh, uh, we went ahead, and, and in that service, we had a powerful move of God. Thank God for it. I went the next day to get the tire replaced. And so I stopped at a discount tire store just outside of Beaumont, Texas, and uh, got the tire uh, replaced and got all that done. Okay, fast forward six months later, I get a telephone call. I didn't recognize the phone number on my phone, and I answered it, and this lady said, is this Dr. Tim Todd? I said, yes, it is, and I, I had no idea who this is. And she said, she said, I'm an intercessory prayer warrior. And she said, six months ago, I was in a discount tire store. When I got out of my car, I saw your, your uh, ministry business card on the ground outside. And she said, when I picked it up, she said, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and told me to begin to pray for you. She said, Brother Todd, I've been praying for you for six months now. And she said, I felt like this morning, God wanted me to connect you with our pastor. So all of the arrangements were put into place. And we did a soul winning service in that church church, and in one service we had 28 people get saved for the first time. Somebody give the Lord a hand of praise. But guess what? Those people in that service did not get saved just as a result of what God did in that service. You see, there was seed planted and there was seed watered, uh, 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 forgive the pun there, because when the water was pouring down out there uh, in the, uh, uh, with that storm and I'm changing the tire on the side of the road, I made a decision not to worry, but to worship God. I made a decision in the middle of that storm with that flat tire and when it looked like insurmountable odds to speak the Word of God instead of worrying about what I was going through. And as a direct result of being obedient and planting that seed of worship and speaking the Word in the middle of that storm and, and, and watering that seed of speaking the Word and worshiping God in the middle of that storm as a result of it, I believe those people, those 28 people were saved in that service. I believe that God used that as a part of what the devil meant for bad, God turning it into good. I don't know what storm you're in right now, because a lot of you are in a storm right now. 2020 was rough 
for many of you sitting here right now. And I don't know what kind of storm you're in right now. And God does care about what you're going through right now. And he's also giving you the tools that you need to win this battle. One of the things that you need to begin to do more than you're doing even now, and because we can never do it enough, and that is in the middle of your storm, in the middle of that flat tire, whatever it is the devil is attacking you with right now, begin to speak the word of God over the situation you're in and begin to worship God in the middle of your storm. Can I hear an amen? But not only is worry a sin... And not only is worry the wrong kind of imagination, but hear me, number three, God does not answer worry. God answers prayer, not worry. God answers His Word, not worry. God answers faith, not fear. Let me ask you a question. Does the Bible say... The effectual fervent worry of a righteous man availeth much. Did Jesus say, get upset, get upset, and get upset, and ye shall find? Did he say, be anxious, be anxious, be anxious, and the door shall be open? Did Jesus say, have apprehension, have apprehension, have apprehension, and you shall receive? Oh, no. He said, seek and you shall find. Ask and you shall receive. He said, knock and the door shall be open. He said, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. And he said to you and me, when you pray whatsoever things that you desire, believe that you have already received it, and it shall be done. Hallelujah. I want you to hear me tonight, this, this morning. Listen carefully. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to your stature? I'm going to ask you what Jesus asked his disciples, and I'm going to put it on today's vernacular. Which of you, by taking thought, which of you, by worrying over everything that you're going through right now, which of you, by worrying, can add one penny to your bank account? Which of you, by having apprehension, can add one piece of bread to your kitchen table? Which of you, by being anxious and burdened and worrying, can add one healthy cell to your brain tissue? Which of you, by worrying, can add one ounce of blood to your circulation? None of us can. And that's what Jesus is speaking to you this morning. No matter what you're going through right now, you better stop worrying and get the Word back in your life, get worship back in your life, and begin to seek the face of God in prayer at a higher level than you ever have before. Amen? In fact, Philippians says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And that's what God is desiring and requiring for you to do in the midst of your trial. Listen to me. Not only is worry a sin, it's the wrong kind of imagination. God has no time for worry. But then fourthly, worry is an unnecessary load. It's a load that you should not be carrying. Because my Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, cast all of your cares on him because he cares for you. Cast 
all of your cares on Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus, hear me this morning. There is enough depth in the stripes of Jesus Christ to bury every worry that you have. There is enough height in, the, in the, the cross of Calvary to lift you up above every apprehension that you have right now. And hear me this morning, there are enough fountains in the blood streams of Calvary to wash away every burden, every worry that you have right now. So here's what God is telling you and me this morning. Take no thought. Take no thought. And take no thought. Don't worry. Don't worry. And don't worry. There was a missionary in mainland China traveling on a train. He had a suitcase, and in that suitcase he had four items. He had a songbook that had some of the most powerfully anointed songs. Many of them he'd written with his own pen. He had a sermon book with his most anointed messages that he'd preached. He had an address book that contained the names and addresses and cell phone numbers of his closest family and friends. And he had a Bible that he'd had from the beginning of his ministry for more than 40 years. That tattered and torn Bible, it had scriptures highlighted and underlined throughout it. It had notes in the margin. And so in that suitcase, he had those four items, a songbook, a sermon book, an address book, and a Bible. And in the midnight hour, that train stopped in Beijing, China to get to pick up more travelers. A thief made his way on the train, was able to grab that suitcase and, and get away without getting caught. As the train pulled away, that missionary buried his face in his hands and began to weep profusely. He said, God, why did you let this happen to me? He said, I'm here in China to preach your word, not to rob banks. He said, why did you let this happen to me? Everything that I is important to me was gone just like that. The Holy Spirit spoke to his heart. God said, you may have lost your songbook, but you haven't lost the song that I placed in your heart whenever I saved your soul. God said, you may have lost your sermon book, but you haven't lost the message I burned in your heart whenever I called you into the ministry. You may have lost your address book, but you haven't lost your family members and your friends. They still are there and they still love you. And you may have lost your Bible, but you haven't lost my son Jesus Christ, which is the center theme of the Bible. Hear me this morning. I don't know what you've lost, but if you have Jesus, you haven't really lost anything. I don't know who's against you, but I want you to know that God is for you. And I want you to know, I don't know who doesn't like you, but Jesus loves you. And if you have God on your side, hear me tonight, this morning, you have the whole hoist of heaven on your side. In the Word of God, in our text, it says that Jesus takes care of the lilies of the, of the lily of the fields and the birds of the air. You know what the difference is between you and the lily of the fields? You, don't, you have a soul and the lily of the fields do not. You know what the difference is between you and the birds of the air, as beautiful as they are? You have a soul and the birds of the air don't have a soul. And the Bible says that if God will take care of them, and He does, how much more is He going to take care of you? 
And so here's what he said to you this morning. Take no thought, take no thought, and take no thought. In the middle of everything you're going through right now, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, because God has got everything under control. Listen to me, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not an oncoming train. It's God working on your behalf. Bow your heads, close your eyes, open your hearts all over the building. Holy Ghost, do your work and have your way and accomplish what you want done in our hearts and our lives. I speak the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead over everybody in this building, Lord. I speak victory with nobody looking around. If you're here tonight and you say, God's dealing with me because I realize perhaps you're not in right relationship with God. Perhaps at one time you used to faithfully serve God, but as you search your heart, you realize that you're not in right relationship with Him now. I want you to know He loves you just the way that you are, and He wants to help you to get to where you need to be in Him. So if you're here to, this morning, you say, God's dealing with me because I realize my heart's not right with God, and I want my heart to be right with God. If that's you this morning, with nobody looking around, you'd say, that's me and God's dealing with me this morning because I realize my life's not right with the Lord. Pray for me. If that's you this morning, with nobody looking around, slip your hand up right now if that's you. All over the building. Nobody looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed, every heart wide open. Now listen carefully. If you're here this morning, you say, God's dealing with me because... I have been guilty of worrying about some things that I'm going through right now that I need God to work on my behalf. And I've been guilty of worrying about some things and I just need to get that right with the Lord, if that's you this morning. You say, I'm going through some things in my life right now that I've been worrying about and I need God to help me with it. Pray for me, if that's you this morning, slip your hand up right now. All over the building, hands are going up. Others of you, just be honest, and God's going to help you. God's going to give you the victory this morning. Father, we cast down fear, and I speak faith in Jesus' name. Father God, in Jesus' name, we cast down worry, and I speak your word, and I speak a spirit of worship over everybody in this building this morning the name of Jesus. I want every one of you that raised your hand that would say, I'm struggling with something that I have been concerned about, worried about, and I need God to help me. If you raised your hand a moment ago and that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. God wants to help you this morning. If that's you, who else should say, that's me? You say, God's dealing with me about something that I've been worrying about. Pray for me. Pray for me. If that's you, Anybody else stand up? Anybody else stand up? It might be, uh, it might be a job situation. It could be that that it's uh, something to do with your family. It might be with your physical body or or the future of of, of what you have. Uh, uh, whatever it is, you'd say there's just some things, some unanswered questions that I just need some help. I just need some help in some areas where that perhaps worry has crept in. Anybody else? You'd say that's me. That's me. Every one of you standing, step out from behind that chair into the aisle, make your way to this altar. Come. Come stand in this altar area. Come. Holy Spirit, do your work and have your way. Let the power of God.
God flow. Just lift your hands to the Lord and pray this with me out loud. I want to ask anybody else that feels led to come to the altar for anything. It doesn't have to be just for worry. Anybody else that you'd say, I feel led of the Holy Spirit to come to the altar because I've got a need that I need God to work on my behalf. But that's you this morning. Come to the altar right now. I just feel like God's going to do a great work in this altar. If that's you, anybody else want to come? Now pray this with me out loud. Pray this with me out loud. Lord Jesus, cleanse me. Purify me. Take the worry out. Every area I'm worrying, I replace it with worship. Every area I have worried, I will speak your word. And Father, I replace fear with faith. Now do your work in my life and make me what you've called me to be. I put this situation in your hands. One more time. I know you're in control. And I will pray. I will not be apprehensive. In the name of Jesus. If you've got a family member that's in the altar, I want to ask for you to come and stand with the family member that you've got that's in this altar. If you've got a family member that's in the altar,